0: In today's episode, we're going to talk about fastings and uh, dispel some myths and uh, kind of give you more information on how to do it properly, who should do it, and how it's going to benefit you. Let's go. Welcome to the What Up Dog University podcast, your number one resource for total body wellness. Here's your host, Dr. Mike. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to the What of Doc University podcast. This is Dr. Mike Okuuchi, and uh, it's a beautiful day here in Southern California. And I were I was getting a bunch of questions about fasting, and um, we use fasting a lot in our office, and I've uh, recommended it a lot for uh, for people online and 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 i've been getting a lot of questions about it so i decided hey you know what what's better than doing this episode and giving you guys all the information that you guys need so that you can do it properly and and really understand why you should fast and how to incorporate this into your lifestyle anyways if this is your first time listening to this podcast welcome and uh, i just wanted to give you a little heads up of what we are doing. You know, um, we're on this podcast, we strive to give you health information that's both uh, backed by science and uh, what I see in clinical practice. I am a, a full time practicing holistic chiropractor and I deal with a lot of functional and integrative medicine using natural approaches to help people regain their health and, uh, and plot out a roadmap. So that we can get you going in using your body's natural ability to heal itself. So that's kind of what we do in the office and what we're striving to do here on this podcast. I appreciate all the five-star reviews on iTunes and also the questions and comments that you guys are asking me. So anyways... Let's get started about the art and science of fasting. So if we look at fasting, fasting has been done for decades upon decades. And um, you look at any type of society, uh, and, and and particularly religious practices, there's fasting that revolves around that. And I, I see a lot of misconceptions about Fasting and people say, "Well, it's hard," which it is. Um, but if we look at how our bodies are designed, and we we're talking about from a, from an evolutionary biology perspective, and we look at from hunter-gatherer days to modern day, we see that our bodies are designed for times of feast and famine. If you go back to my detox episode, I talk about this idea of feast and famine and it's you know I mean we we see feast and famine every single day. You, you know you eat and then what your body does is it takes that energy from the food that you're eating it utilizes some of that energy and then it stores the other parts of the energy that it doesn't use and we use that stored energy in times of famine, which is when you're not eating. So say you eat dinner uh, times of famine would be when you're sleeping. You're not utilizing the food that you your food that you ate for energy. you're utilizing the food that you ate that, that got stored as energy and you're burning that fuel. Okay. So in hunter-gatherer societies, their times of famine were a lot longer, right So we had times where you're foraging and you were eating uh, lower caloric uh, foods. And then maybe you would have a uh, kill, right? You, you'd, you'd find a lion, a tiger, a bear, or whatever. And those were, were higher caloric in content. So our bodies are, have, de- have evolved and designed a way where we look at the three major macronutrients, right? Proteins, fats, and carbohydrates. And then our body prioritizes things according to how fast they turn into usable fuel. All right, so the whole goal of the body is to take food, break it down into the smallest usable components, the macronutrients of proteins, fats, and carbohydrates. That gets into the cell, ultimately getting down to the mitochondria, where the mitochondria will then make ATP. All right. So the whole goal of it all is to use that for energy, Right. use the food that we eat for energy. But it's also devised ways that we can... Uh, store for times of famine. Okay, it's just it just makes sense that way. Now, when we look at hunter gatherer days, and then we overlap that or we overlay that into modern day society, we see that we don't typically go into times of famine as much. Okay, so let me back up and give you a little bit of biochemistry. I don't like to give too much of biochemistry and get you confused, but there, there are a couple hormones that we got to know about. One is insulin, the other one is glucagon. So when your blood sugar rises, insulin is secreted so that we can uh, get that blood sugar down and we can transport glucose into the cell. And then as the blood sugar starts to drop because you know, you're know you utilizing that, that sugar for energy, glucagon then becomes secreted and then you start to uh, increase in um you know, uh, your blood sugar levels will increase by releasing glycogen stores. And then uh, other uh, hormonal pathways will s- start to trigger lipolysis for gluconeogenesis or making glucose out of either protein or, uh, or or stored fats, okay? So that's basically how the body works. You eat, blood sugar rises, utilize some of that blood sugar for energy. And then insulin is also a storage hormone. So it stores... Some of that excess caloric intake from sugar into fats, and this is supposed to happen. Problem is that in modern day society, right? remember, we're overlaying hunter-gatherer, um, hunter-gatherer lifestyle. What our genes are programmed for, what our, our physiology is programmed for, and we overlay that into modern day lifestyle where we're always in this state of feasting. And feasting equals storage. So if we never, ever go into a state of famine, it's very difficult for our bodies to burn off that excess energy, okay? So I'm just trying to recap uh, stuff there about why our bodies are consistently gaining weight, right? So this idea of feast and famine. Now, if we're always in this feast mode, it means that we're always going to be storing, So what we need to do is we need to elicit times of famine or artificial famine. And this is what fasting does. Fasting elicits the genes that are coded for famine that we were programmed for, okay? And a lot of times, you know, our our bodies are instinctively doing that for a healing process. This is why, like, when we get sick, a lot of times we lose our appetite because our body knows, well, during uh, if I don't increase uh, energy intake, I can then go into a healing mode. And that's what we want to talk about in this episode. So let me give you some of the benefits of fasting. Okay? There are a bunch of different benefits to fasting. I know a lot of times you think, "Oh, fasting, I'm just starving myself and uh, it sucks. I'm so hungry. Well, there are some benefits. And if you understand these benefits, uh, I'm not saying that the hunter gatherers understood these benefits. It was just instinctual. But with modern day science, we've been able to find that fasting actually has scientifically backed benefits. One is, you know, we already talked about this, is that you're going to retrain your body how to burn fat for energy. And this is one of the more difficult things that we find in society today is people go on these diets and they go on these yo-yo crashes and, and they may lose weight, but they gain it back and they start you know, going through these ups and downs and they don't necessarily retrain their body on burning fat for energy. So when you go into a controlled fasting environment, you then would retrain your body how to burn fat for energy. Now, at the end of this, I'm going to teach you guys how to do this effectively. Note that just because you start on a fast doesn't necessarily mean that your body will automatically go back into burning fat for energy yeah you have to retrain your cells to do that and we're going to give you a clear outline on how to do that so one of the benefits again is teaching your body how to burn fat for energy the second one is a really really important one is you're going to start to improve insulin sensitivity this is very very big in 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 the diabetic circles because we know that in type 2 diabetes your cells are not that sensitive to insulin and the insulin receptors don't necessarily work with the insulin being provided. So fasting will actually improve that sensitivity. Fasting along with other stuff like resistance exercise is, obviously changing your diet. but fasting is a really, really big one for so for those of you who are those the, those type 2 diabetics which are very uh, reluctant or skeptical to induce fasting or try a fasting program, This works really well for you again, but you do have to monitor your blood glucose levels in the beginning because your body is not yet trained. So we're going to teach you how to train your body and your cells how to get into that fat burning mode and then improve your insulin sensitivity. Um, If you have questions about this, I mean, one of the greatest resources you can go for this and, and a doctor that specifically deals with type 2 diabetes and fasting is Dr. Jason Fung. Um, he's the preeminent authority on that, and I, I've studied his work for um, a few years now and have implemented that and I can concur with his with his findings and research that this does work specifically for type 2 diabetics and it works really well. Okay, So second one is improving insulin sensitivity. Third one is it fasting improves and increases growth hormone production. Uh, Growth hormone production is very, very essential for repair of organs. And this is the one thing that we see in chronic degenerative diseases is that over time, if there's not enough growth hormone production, your organs just start to degrade. So fasting helps with that. And then the fourth one. The fourth one is one of the most important things that I typically look at and, and why I love the benefits of fasting which is that imp- it improves this this thing called autophagy, okay? And autophagy is this is this uh, very very big word that basically talks about how the weaker cells in your body are removed. And uh, the stronger cells survive. So it's basically like natural selection inside of your body. The weaker cells that aren't adapted to the different stresses and rigors that you would put your body through, uh, it, it gets left off. And the reason why we want to see autophagy, it, it's basically like cleaning, cleaning your body from the inside out. We're getting rid of the, the, the cells that could be prone to things like cancer. And the, the process of autophagy is something that happens all the time. Your body naturally clears out the cells that are not fit to, you know, move on or survive or function. That's what the body is supposed to do. And, and this is, you know, during times of, um, in the past, when we, when, when, you know, in our hunter-gatherer days, when there was decreased nutrient availability Our bodies adapted to this by getting rid of those less, you know, fit to survive cells because what it does, what it did is it it conserves energy. You know, if there are these less fit cells that was eating up energy and it didn't need to, it would cost your body that energy, you know, the energy input and the energy output. So if the body designed the way it says, well, let's get rid of the lower tier cells, then we don't need to have so much caloric input, and this was just a a way that the body cleansed itself naturally, okay? And you can look at all these different studies, and I'll have the studies linked up in the show notes, but autophagy plays a very, very key role in diseases like uh, cancer, heart disease, diabetes. Any type of liver disease, autoimmune diseases, Alzheimer's, dementia, infections, and again, like I said, I'm going to put the links to the um, to these studies in the show notes, and um, go ahead and read these studies. And I don't want to go over through through all of them. You know, I don't want to take too much of your time, but so I'll link it up, and you'll be able to read it. It's pretty fascinating stuff. Okay. And um, let, let's let's kind of shift gears. that was more of the academic side. I want to g- shift gears into how do you fast properly? Well the first thing uh, when you start fasting is we're gonna talk about mindset okay And um, the mindset has to be one where you're you're going into this for health reasons okay Now the like I said, there's always should be a a a reason for the fast is unless you're just starving, right? And so my wife always jokes about you have to fast with a purpose. Don't don't fast on, unless you just be starving yourself. And nobody likes to go into a starvation mode because then you start thinking about the food and you start thinking about all this stuff. So you want to go into a fast with a proper mindset that you're doing it for health reasons. And, and when I see patients going with this mindset, they do way better than those that – they're just saying, well, I'm only focusing on the things that I can't eat and I don't have enough food. Your body's just going to crave stuff, okay? So the mindset has to be there. Now, when you're fasting, there are, are two different ways that you can do this. Okay, One is called a block fasting where you're going a set of days without eating anything. And then there's also called intermittent fasting, Okay. Intermittent fasting means that throughout the day, you're going to have times when you're not eating and then you have what we call your eating window. Okay. So uh, I'm going to give you guys specific ways on doing that as well. Now, let's kind of go back to those that are... You know, you may be dealing with a chronic health disease and stuff like cancer, diabetes and all that stuff. You want to ease yourself into this. So the recommendations I'm going to give to you is the optimal goal. What I want to give to you first is the doable goal, right? I don't want you to jump all the way into the intermittent fast or the block fast right off the bat because uh, um, what happens is, is that your cells aren't trained for this yet. This is like if tomorrow I asked you, hey, I want you to go and run a marathon, your body hasn't trained for that, right? For those of you who have never run a marathon yet, right? If you can't even run a mile, what makes you think that you're going to be able to run 26 miles? So same thing with fasting. We need to train and ease your body into it, okay? So with that said, intermittent fasting, the 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 rec the recommended method this is the one that I use on a daily method a daily basis is a method of what we call your 168 so basically for 16 hours out of the day you, are not eating anything. You can still drink stuff. You can still drink water. Um, you can you can have stuff in your water, uh, but you're not eating anything. You're not increasing the caloric intake, and you're not you're not increasing um, uh, carbohydrate intake during that time. So 16 hours, and then you have what's called, what we call your eating window in this eight hour period. Okay, fasting for 16 hours. You're going to eat during this eight hour window. So, for example, say your first meal of the day would be 11 a.m. Okay. And by the way, I, I highly recommend skipping breakfast. You know, it's been a misnomer uh, that we have that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. I highly disagree with that. I I I don't eat breakfast at all. I haven't since probably college. Um, and I noticed that when I started skipping breakfast, I I had more mental clarity throughout the day. So let's say your first meal of the day is at 11 a.m. Okay. Um, what you're going to do is your, your eating window is going to finish up at about 7 p.m. So between the hours of 11 a.m. and 7 p.m., that's your eating window. Okay? And then from 7 p.m. all the way back to 11 a.m., that's going to be your fasting window. Okay? So, so you're, let's look at it this way. 11, you get up, let's say like 7am, 6am, 7am. You don't eat till 11am. You're eating windows to 7pm and then you go to bed by 10pm. I highly recommend you not having your last meal about three hours before you go to bed. So this kind of works. this this schedule here works. First meal is 11 a.m. Finish up your last meal by 7 pm, which means, by the way, that you would start eating at about 6:30 and you're gonna wrap that up by about 7:30. okay And then you're in bed by at least 10 o'clock. That would be a daily recommended intermittent fasting. Now, for those of you that are easing into this, you can you can go half the day. You know, let's say let's you, let's fast for twelve hours. That's very very doable for most people. Okay, you're gonna fast for twelve hours eating window for twelve hours, and then you're gonna work your way up to you can get to that sixteen eight. Sixteen eight is about that sweet spot for people. Some people will jump it up to twenty four, right? Twenty fasting for eating window, or some people get to the point where they just do like a twenty two hour fast. A two hour eating window where they're basically just having one meal a day. That works for a lot of people. Okay. I've seen a lot of people get into that 20, 22 fasting, two hour eating window. Now, that was the intermittent fasting. Then you can throw in what's called block fasting. Block fasting is where you're taking blocks of days anywhere between 2 to 5, 14, sometimes even 30 days of fasting. Yep, you heard me say that 30 days of fasting. So these block fasts where you're going without, you know, any food for these days. You can still drink water, teas and all that kind of stuff uh, within those days. What you are you are going to see amazing results with that. Okay. So Here's, here's a, a word of caution when you're doing that. Uh, I'm going to give you a, also recommendations of who shouldn't fast, by the way. Um, so when you break your fast, when you're doing block fast, you got to ease back into it, by the way. Don't just like, you know, do these block fasts for like two days and then all of a sudden on day three, you're having a burger or a pizza or anything like that you got to ease back into it. You got to start eating with soft foods. So if you're having like vegetables, you may want to steam it or puree it, maybe have some soups or broths, ease your way back into it. Okay. So what I recommend for like all my patients, whenever we start doing a block fast is we use a thing called fun and fun has a bunch of electrolytes and also has things that will help alkalize the body. Uh, We also use uh, proteolytic enzymes, which will help decrease any of the uh, uh, pr- um, protein fragments that may be causing inflammation, and while you're do- you- while you're you know in this process of autophagy, you're getting rid of all of these lower uh, lying cells. The proteolytic enzymes will help clean that up. By the way, and then I use another product called alkalite. Alkalite will just curb all of that in, um, all of that acidic waste in your body, which you're going to be flushing. By the way during the fast. Your body's gonna pump out a lot of uric acid and a lot of lactic acid and all of these organic acid compounds. So you need something that will help curb this acidic waste. So fun enzymes and alkali, this is what I recommend during these block fasts. And then after you do the block fast, anywhere between two to five days, then you're gonna ease back into it with your soft foods. And then you're gonna transition into your intermittent fasting. Okay, And also during this time, Maybe you can calm down from your workouts. Hey, okay? just monitor your body, listen to your body, let your body relax. Let your body do its thing. Hey, okay? Stay away from the workouts during this time. Give your body that time to just, you know repair biochemically and then uh, cleanse itself out. Now, a big question I get from patients is, well doc, well, what do I eat during my eating window? I recommend a mixture, a hybrid between something like a paleo and a ketogenic diet. You know, just eat clean, right? So it's primarily going to be 70% good fats, 25% good proteins. has to be like uh, grass-fed, pasture-raised. The meat, if you're eating it, should still be on the bone. Uh, And then when you cook it, Make sure you're cooking it at lower temperatures. I don't want you char broiling anything. I don't want you uh, grilling stuff because, you know, you can you can create all kinds of carcinogenic compounds. Um, and then organ meats is going to be also good stuff too. Chicken hearts, um, eggs is going to be a good one. And then the last five percent is going to be good carbohydrates. Make sure that it's low glycemic, low low glycemic load. So low glycemic index, low glycemic load. I usually give the rule of thumb of limiting yourself to about 40 grams of carbohydrates per day, okay? So 70% good fats, 25% good proteins, 5% good carbohydrates. That's just a good rule of thumb, okay? At, like I said, this is the marathon. The training for the marathon, you're going to ease into it because I know a lot of people have higher carbohydrate you know, diets. So some people are at like 60% carbohydrates. You don't want to just all of a sudden drop to 5% five carbohydrates, you want to ease into it. Maybe go to 40, down to 35, down to 20, and then ultimately getting down to the ratios of 70, 25, and five, okay? So that's my recommendations for what to eat during your eating window. Now, who shouldn't do this? Because believe it or not, there are people that shouldn't do this. So here's your list. Women who are pregnant, you're breastfeeding, Uh, or you have fertility issues, right? Maybe you have, uh, you've been trying to get pregnant, maybe you are pregnant, but mainly those that are trying to get pregnant do not, do not do a fast, okay? Um, Those with eating disorders, for obvious reasons. Um, Those who have severe cases of diabetes, okay? I wouldn't recommend doing this on your own. This has to be done under medical supervision. If you have diabetes, you have to be working with a healthcare pr- practitioner that will guide you through this. If you have low blood pressure or if you're on a lot of different types of medications, do not do this, right? Like, again, like and this is my disclaimer. Uh, again, I, I should have done this at the beginning, but um, my disclaimer is this is just for your informational purposes only. Do not start these types of programs or any type of other things that we talk in the podcast without consulting somebody first, Hey, don't just try to experiment on yourself because sometimes you may get into you may get into bad areas if you don't know what you're doing if you don't know what you're looking for. Um, like I said, w- uh, women who are pregnant breastfeeding have fertility issues but women overall make sure you guys are easing into this program because if you just jump straight into it like you just go into a five day fast and then you just you go into a 16 2 or 20 uh, 20 fast, four-hour eating window, intermittent fast, this could affect your menstrual cycle and stop that. I know some women will say, yeah, well, I wouldn't mind if I didn't have any more menstrual cycles, but, but this does wreak havoc upon your hormonal cycles if you're not doing it properly. So ease into the program so that you don't throw this all off. If, if you do get irritable and you have dizziness while you're doing this fast, it, it basically means that the cells in your body aren't trained for it yet, yet, right? That's the a word, yet. It's just like running a marathon. If you all of a sudden just get up today, you've never run a mile in, in your life, and you start and you st- go like 15 miles, your body's not going to be able to handle that. You've got to ease into this, So you got to retrain your body to do this properly. So that's pretty much what I have and what I recommend for my patients in my office on how to do fasting properly. Remember, our bodies are programmed for feast and famine. And what we're doing is we're reprogramming and reattaching our body to how it it naturally functions. So hopefully this was uh, informative for you. Again, do not partake. In this, until you know and you've been under the guidance of a healthcare practitioner and you know that this will be healthy for you. If you love what we're doing here, please give us a five-star review on iTunes. Head on over to www.whatupdocuniversity.com and you can find all of our um, all of our episodes there. And you can head over to – for this episode particularly, is www.whatupdocuniversity.com forward slash episode 47. And you're going to see all of the show notes there, all of the links to the studies and articles that uh, pertain to this episode will be found there. Love all the comments. Love all the interaction. And if you feel like joining our Facebook group, you can do that. I mean, it's a free community, free Facebook group. Head on over to www.whatupdocuniversity.com forward slash FB group. You can find me on Instagram. Uh, my handle is Dr. Mike, O-K-O-U-C-H-I, Dr. Mike Okouchi. Um, that's pretty much all my handles everywhere on Instagram, Twitter, and uh, Facebook. And hit me up if you have any questions, comments. Uh, hit me up on on any of those social media platforms, and uh, be glad to answer your questions. But like I said before, health is a journey, guys. And health is your number one asset. And you know, you, we only get one body to live in. We don't. We can't just move out of our body and into another body. It's the only place that we have to live in. You know, in our time here on Earth. And we got to take care of it. And that's the whole goal of what we're doing here at What Up Doc University Podcast is we're trying to give you the information so that you can know how to live in your body healthily so you can live at your highest and your best performance and expression. And uh, hopefully you got some information from this episode. Uh, If you have questions, again, feel free to reach out to me. But until the next time we talk, I shall see you later and hopefully later and later subscribe to the podcast on itunes but till the next time be well and aloha